Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Go 24-7 podcast. Thanks for listening. It is game week. It feels that way. It seems that way. And it will be that way for LSU uh, as Ed Ogeron had his Monday press conference with us. It was around lunchtime. It wasn't in person, but look, we'll take it. We're a few days away from LSU taking on Mississippi State uh, in Tiger Stadium, 2.30 Central on CBS. Billy Embody here with you guys, and alongside me is Shay Dixon on this edition of the pod. We've got a depth chart to go over. We've got uh, a, a spread to discuss, a very interesting one, at least I think, on this game. Uh, COVID updates, injury updates, and uh, of course, what we're watching for as LSU takes on Mississippi State. Shay, it was different being on Zoom with Ed Ogeron to open up the you know season, at least. But we're used to it by now uh, over the course of uh, COVID, dealing with the Zoom calls. Uh, I'm just glad uh, game week's finally here. Yeah, it didn't quite feel like a game week watching other teams play uh, in college football. In fact, it felt more game week-ish watching the NFL and, and seeing a lot of the familiar faces playing. And, and a lot of those guys have come out of the gates really strong. But uh, until LSU took the field, I know for our fans, uh, listeners of the pod, and, and for us working the games, uh, it's just has felt like the waiting game, but it's over. And look, fall weather is here in Baton Rouge this week. Uh, we've got, what, 2.30 kickoff, good 24-7. We'll be uh, in the press box on Saturday in Tiger Stadium. 25,000 fans or so uh, is what we're expecting. So a different year, right, for sure. Uh, all of 2020 has been uh, that way, but... I feel it. I feel the the cool air outside and, and Orgeron back on a, a lunch with O, even if it's over Zoom, uh, is a little bit of normalcy. Yeah, we'll take it. And look, the depth chart, we got that. I was a little surprised, actually, that they released the depth chart, considering we you know haven't been in uh, the gates of practice. So nobody could really know, I guess, how legit it is. But uh, it seems like it's legit. Uh, at least, you know, most of the starters that were on there, we had a lot of them projected. Uh, in those spots and the two deep and at some positions four deep. But uh, Shay, just like in terms of the starting lineup for LSU, I think the the biggest takeaway for me was that defensive line spot because there's so much uh, uncertainty, I think, now without Tyler Shelvin and Neil Farrell's coming back. And we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit more. But uh, that was my biggest uh, position that I was ready to see kind of how things shook out. But um, there are also, you know, some other noteworthy things, you know, Keishon Butte starting, uh, Ali Gay is uh, a part of that defensive line group. He's starting. And just overall, I, I thought it was one, it, it just felt really good to see a depth chart. And after all the things we've been hearing throughout fall camp and then the practices leading up to the season uh, to finally get that and see kind of how some of these position battles shook out. Yeah, I mean, 100%. I thought that one of the notable things was Ollie Gay, the JUCO signee um, from December, moving right away into the starting lineup. Uh, he'll play opposite Andre Anthony. And then Keishon Butte um, playing as a, a five-star receiver. 
uh, was one of the top receivers in the country on 24-7 sports, a true freshman. And when Jamar Chase left the lineup, you knew that they were going to have to find somebody beyond Terrace Marshall and Ray McMath. And um, Orgeron said today when we talked to him, he said, look, I can look back on when Butte emerged into the lineup. It was the day Chase left. And he said, in that day, we didn't really miss a beat. Um, now, that's obviously you're going to have some fall off without Jamar Chase. He's arguably the best receiver in college football. Certainly one of them uh, holds the title from 2019. And, and he'll be a top draft pick, certainly a first rounder. Um, but they seem to really like Butte. Those are probably the two things that jumped out at us. And then another, and, and look, we knew what the starting lineup would likely look like because Orsdron said it throughout the fall. But another was, and really the only spot, Billy, where they put an or, uh, meaning on the depth chart, they just straight up told you who the starters were, except at one of the safety spots opposite Jacoby Stevens. That had an or uh, between Todd Harrison and Mo Hampton. And I think that most of us thought Mo Hampton would probably start. Uh, he played a bunch as a freshman last year. Uh, Grant Delpit's gone from uh, that defensive backfield and and alongside Jacoby Stevens you could put in a guy like Hampton but Harris being listed as the or after a season ending injury a year ago we knew that he had been trying to work his way back to full strength in fall camp Uh, I think that's huge and and certainly telling that Harris is ready to go and is going to play because one thing they don't have is a ton of safety depth and we saw some guys leave we saw like I said Delpit goes pro Uh, they need to keep those guys healthy and the fact that it appears Todd Harris will be ready uh, for week one. We'll see what Jordan Tolls and, and guys like Cam Lewis can do, but that's probably good news for, for their safety spot. Not a spot LSU's normally hurting for talent at, uh, but right now, all things considered, a funky offseason. Uh, they got themselves into a little bit of a hot water in terms of the depth chart, but you've got to feel good about at least seeing uh, Todd Harris going to be out there. Yeah, and I think with with that position, especially Mo Hampton, as they kind of maybe try to, bring Todd Harris along a little bit slowly so he's not overwhelmed uh, in terms of, you know, coming back from that knee injury is just such a tough thing to do. Probably would see Mo Hampton more than uh, Todd Harris at this point, in my opinion, at least. And look, the defensive line, and I asked Ed about the defense tackle spot, and that was the probably the one I was most interested in hearing what he had to say because he, you know, everybody assumed Glenn Logan was going to start, and he is. And then you've got Ap- Apu Aika, who's stepped up in a big way with Tyler Shelvin uh, out. And Ed Ogeron said, look, there's been no movement on that. Haven't talked to him. Haven't heard anything. It's game week. And I think that rumor is kind of dead in the water at this point uh, with the season finally here. And, and uh, you know, the, that just being what it is, I'd be surprised if, if he was back at LSU this fall, uh, I guess, uh, after Ed's comments today. But uh, with him, Joe Evans uh, – is kind of the third out of those three. And it'll be interesting to see the rotation there because Apu's, he's a big boy. He's a, he's a nose tackle in, a, in every sense of the word. And then you've got Glenn Logan and, and Joe Evans there. And Joe Evans has come on really, really well since moving back over to defensive line. And then you've got the hodgepodge of, well, when will Neil, Neil Farrell be back? Uh, how will it work out with Jaqueline Roy uh, and, and Eric Taylor and all of those guys in there, that defensive tackle spot, it's one of those positions I could see them using a heavy rotation and then just kind of seeing who emerges as the season goes along. Yeah. I mean, it was pretty clear now at this stage that Shelvin, unless he's coming back mid season, which he would still need so much time to be where they want him to be in terms of conditioning and and everything like that with missing a month of practice, basically. Uh, I don't think he's coming back. And, And look, you mentioned a lot of guys there. 
some familiar faces, you know, guys who are older, Andre Anthony moving in uh, to a full-time starting role. Um, we saw Apu Ika a year ago. Uh, Glenn Logan is a guy that's been around for so long, you can kind of you overlook him and, and keep focusing on these other guys. But he's made 20-something starts on the D-line for LSU in recent or the past two years combined. So they've got a good mix of, of youth and certainly some vets who you want to see what they can give you. Um, and we'll see what this kind of new – 2020 class and we saw Ali Gay move into the lineup what are as you mentioned what are guys like Roy and B. Joe Gelari um, others who who certainly have made a little bit of an impact in fall camp a little bit of a splash are going to get a try um, but I think the biggest thing for me is this when we're going to talk D-line and when we're going to talk front seven and I really like their linebackers a ton I think that Damone Clark and Jabril Cox have the chance to be two of the best in the SEC and, and not many people even know their names right now and uh, Micah Baskerville can uh, be tossed into that same group in terms of just talented kids out there at the spot. I believe them when they say that the defense is faster than ever. And I think that Pelini's scheme, Bo Pelini, the new defensive coordinator, moving to a base 4-3, and really his bread and butter is bringing pressure. Um, and whether that means uh, a number of extra guys, whether that means um, here and there even just bringing your you know four down linemen naturally, I think they're going to get more of a pass rush. So Yes, they don't have Chase on. They don't have Rashard Lawrence. These guys were uh, NFL draft picks. Um, Braden Pahoko was a guy who played a ton uh, situationally. Um, and then Tyler Shelvin obviously doesn't look like he's going to be back, and, and he's expected to be a high draft pick. So, no, there's yes, there is going to be a little bit of a fall-off, but I think I feel a little bit better about that. A, I guess most importantly by the recruiting they've done. They do have some young talent, Billy, but B – Knowing that Pelini's scheme is just going to naturally be a bit more aggressive, I think that's going to help out very, even in a way. Like, I guess the best way for me to put it in terms of how I'm thinking of it is LSU's line wasn't perfect last year. In fact, they had some games where they struggled. They also got recognized at the end of the year as the best line in college football. Why? Well, Joe Burrow made them look really good uh, at a lot of different times. I think Pelini's scheme can make these guys look really good, uh, and that'll probably buy them time. Uh, for these younger guys and, and even the older guys, Andre Anthony, uh, to kind of get settled in and, and know what their role is. Yeah, and I, I, I had Jabril Cox and Damone Clark on my preseason ballot uh, for, you know, the coaches or for the media, um, all SEC teams as, as you know, the, among the players that were uh, all SEC to me, at least in the preseason. I, I think, you know, Damone Clark getting number 18 and then all the praise we've heard of Jabril Cox. I mean, it just seems like both those guys – are going to take over and blow up. I thought Ed's comments on Cordell Flott and Jay Ward uh, were also interesting in relation to the nickel spot. It seems like Elias Ricks is uh, going to be the outside corner opposite of Derek Stingley as well. Um, but, I mean, Coach O even said, he said, look, if Corey Raymond's starting to talk you up, you're doing something right because he doesn't do it very often. And that's what uh, Ed Ogeron was saying Corey Raymond's done with Jay Ward. So Jay Ward making a name for himself, at least heading into the season. Um, and, and that's, uh, that's really good to, good to hear because that corner spot, you know, Kerry Vincent ops ops out, you lose Christian Fulton in the draft and you need guys to step up. And it seems like they've had that and it, it's just going to keep rolling uh, as one would expect a Corey Raymond uh, secondary and cornerback room to, to do. Yeah, no, look a hundred percent on that. And also, I think that they're in just as good of a spot cornerback-wise as they were a year ago. That's no slight on Christian Fulton, who statistically was one of the best cover corners in football and ended up being uh, a high draft pick. He got his first 
interception this past weekend and week two for the Titans. And I just think what I mean by that is we saw how good Flot was a year ago. He was playing against Bama's receivers and playing really well. I mean, he had a better day than Stingley did. I think that now with Stingley and Flot out there, you feel really good. Then you can say you're going to nickel where, yes, Kerry Vincent's got all the speed in the world, had a bunch of picks for him a year ago. But Flott can do that. Flott can play the nickel for you. You've got help now in Darren Evans. He mentioned the emergence of Jay Ward. And Darren Evans is a kid that they just signed out of Nichols, uh, who's going to end up being um, probably a rotational guy uh, for him this year, but certainly gives him more depth uh, at that DB spot. Um, but hearing uh, what Elias Ricks has done on the back end of camp, I think more than anything, like as the season got here, it seemed like he got stronger and stronger. They're not afraid to play freshman corner. They did it with Flott and Stingley a year ago. Stingley belongs in his own category. But look, Eli Ricks is a five-star, a top-ranked corner in the country for a reason. He had some expectations on his shoulders coming in here. I think that a lot of people looked at his junior year at modern day and said, this guy's no doubt one of the best players in the country. Well, he had didn't have the exact same splash at IMG, and, and that happens. They play a shortened season and and everything like that, but played well, but really just came into camp this spring. and. That got cut short. He puts in the work over the summer. It's kind of a funny time where the coaches aren't even there. And, and he makes his impact in fall camp. And, and I think for them to say that they feel good about putting him out there, that makes me feel a lot better about, you know, where how good this DB room can be uh, between the health of the safeties and the talent of the corners. Agreed. And worth noting, Jay Ward, questionable uh, to play per Ed Ogeron today on his press conference. So he had been going really, really well. He had been getting all that praise, but it seems like he's a little nicked up right now. No word on what his injury is. And then Jacoby and Guillory, uh, defensive tackle out of Alexandria from the 2020 class, top 100 prospect, uh, is uh, he's out. He's out this week, uh, high ankle sprain as well. So uh, no Jacoby and Guillory for LSU this weekend against uh, Mississippi State. And Shay, uh, I think, Let's, let's do this. We've got the first-year starter that we each want to spotlight. And I, would, I will tell you who I thought you were going to say after you, after you share it. We, we didn't discuss this beforehand, but uh, let's hear yours. And then uh, I think I know who you're going to say, but I want to hear it. I've changed my mind a few times on this one uh, because if you're talking first-year – yeah, right. Well, there's so many first-year starters. It doesn't Correct. just mean freshmen, obviously. I'm going to go – I'm going to go Damone Clark. And look, I don't, I don't think anybody missed it. Number 18 is Damone Clark and Chris Curry now. And the new number seven is Jacoby Stevens. Um, I think a lot of people thought Stevens would be an 18. He moves into seven with Jamar Chase opting out. And I think that the number 18 is being handed out to two guys who've never started before. Um, certainly not like, across the season. Uh, they weren't just kind of like spot starts for Chris Curry, for instance. Is telling that that tells me that those guys are going to be relied on on the field, off the field, everything in between. And they've just talked up Damone for so long. We saw him in high school. He was so good. He was a valedictorian at Southern Lab. He and all the coach, all the coaches uh, for the kittens would talk about how good Damone Clark was. And he's such a quiet guy that he just goes about his business. And we've seen now what that middle linebacker spotted LSU can do. Devin White, Patrick Queen, Quan Alexander, Deion Jones. I mean, I'm rattling off four in a row who are NFL starters at middle linebacker. Jacob Phillips a year ago playing alongside Patrick Queen in the 3-4 led the whole SEC in tackles. So that guy in that spot is just going to have so many opportunities. 
I think Clark's up for the calling. I'm excited to watch him this weekend because we haven't gotten to see a ton of him beyond um, kind of here and there playing. He'll be a full-time starter. And it'll, it'll be fun to watch because I think him and, and Baskerville and, and certainly Jabril Cox, who could have been my choice here, are going to be a really good linebacker tandem. Surprising for people considered that all four, year, all four linebackers from a year ago are gone. So all these guys are fresh starters. One just transferred in and Cox, but I've got some faith that they're probably one of the better starting kind of groups on the entire team. So I thought you would have gone Eric Gilbert, 100%. That was, yeah, I should maybe, I mean, I will next week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I am watching uh, Liam Shanahan this week, especially uh, more, more than anyone else. I would say I'm excited to, uh, to see how he makes the move from Harvard to the SEC and not getting a warm up game, just going right into it. And Ed Ogeron really just did a really nice job. I think managing the expectations of him because when he got there they didn't really I think know where exactly he was going to fit in he found a natural spot at center and Ed Ogeron said look Liam Shanahan's handled Tyler Shelvin he's handled Apu Aika those are some big boys and uh that is uh telling like like you have said you know a couple times now it's you know what's being said about some of these players and the actions like getting a number 18 for Damone Clark and Chris Curry or uh, you know, Liam Shanahan getting talked up like that, the the hype uh, certainly around Jabril Cox and Eric Gilbert. I mean, all of those things are things to pay attention to because Ed Ogeron really, if if he doesn't talk you up, and I know he covers a lot of players for the most part when we do get him, but you can tell who he's really talking up and really uh, excited about. And Liam Shanahan's uh, that guy for me that I'm watching this week because I think you're going to be able to tell a lot with how this offensive line is going to play. Uh, not necessarily just by the overall performance, but you'll be able to to see where it's trending, I think, because as we'll talk about later, I think there's going to be some some sloppiness. Uh, we've seen it across college football, but uh, having a Harvard graduate and Liam Shanahan at center, I, I think that's a that bodes well for LSU's offensive line. Yeah, these guys, look, they've been also, uh, much like the linebacker spot, a little bit of the talk of the offseason because everyone but Austin Deculus is – technically a new starter um but look your left tackle dare rosenthal started a handful of games last year when sadiq charles was sidelined uh your left guard ed ingram started as a true freshman missed a year then was ruled eligible again this past year and when he got ruled eligible he was back playing again you mentioned shanahan coming in from harvard where he played chasing hines at right guard has not been a full-time starter but two years ago he started against georgia when they were the number three team in the country and he played well so they've got a, they've got some experience in there, and they need to stay healthy. Um, but I do like uh, I like the I like the Liam Shanahan play, and I like where we're at because if week one of the season is straight up SEC football, then our what we're watching should just be what happens right up the middle. So you've got the center covered. I've got the linebacker. Yep, hundred percent. And and Mississippi State's going to probably run the ball. I mean, and that's an under uh, appreciated thing with with Mike Leach teams is how well they do get their running backs involved and how well they, uh, you know, get, get them product production. I mean, Kylan Hill is one of the best backs in the sec at Ogeron raved, raved about him. So yeah, watching up the middle, seeing how the defensive tackles and the middle linebackers for LSU will play, uh, will, will certainly tell a lot about how they're going to be able to, uh, contain Kylan Hill, uh, who's probably going to have to do a lot. It's KJ, KJ Costello's first start, uh, in the sec and, uh, a new team for him, of course, but, Kylan Hills uh, certainly makes that team go for the most part, and he's super talented. So 
uh, it'll be fun to watch, but we're going to take a quick break right now. And on the other side, we're going to talk a little bit about the gambling spread. We're going to talk a little COVID and some positivity on the LSU front with that one. And then we'll circle our one big thing for uh, this upcoming matchup for LSU with Mississippi State. And, uh, you know, the biggest thing we're keeping an eye on as the Tigers take the field for their season opener. We'll be right back with more of the Go 24-7 podcast after this quick break. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back to the Go 24-7 podcast. Thanks for listening, guys. Hope you guys are having a good start to the week. Quick reminder to leave us a rating, leave us a review, and subscribe to the Go 24-7 podcast. We'll have a game preview one up later this week. We'll have some reactions rolling in from uh, LSU season opener on Saturday. So definitely take the moment to uh, subscribe and uh, make sure you get those loaded up on your phone for your post-game drive and whatnot. Shay, uh, Ed Ogeron is pretty positive on on the uh, COVID front uh, in terms of LSU not having much uh, impact this season opener so far at least uh, they're going to test three more times over the course of this week test today I believe test Wednesday and then uh, a rapid test on Friday before they go into a little bubble before the game but uh, that's a good good sign so far it doesn't seem like LSU is going to be missing anyone heading into this one no and I think that it's a great sign it does not seem right now that they're going to be uh, missing anybody. It does. They can bubble themselves up this week. Uh, what, five days out from the game? They should be all right because, uh, look, you said it. They're going to test three different times, and this is a third party. I mean, this is – they come and do the testing. I mean, teams aren't out here, you know, tricking it, you know, holding guys out or not having to hold out guys that, that should be or shouldn't be. Uh, we'll know the real deal. Uh, and we've seen around college football already, yes, some games have gotten uh, pushed back. They've uh, – and put in and the SEC's made it optional, but if you uh, if you drop blind, below a certain threshold of, of total players, you can choose to have the game rescheduled. I don't think we're anywhere near any of that. And, and we've seen a number of these games of college teams go forward with everybody on both sides being uh, in good shape uh, in terms of the testing. And we'll see how the week goes. But right now, nobody out. It looks like we'll get a full slate for LSU State because we also haven't heard you know, anything about guys being out on the Bulldogs end. So uh, it appears that everyone's gotten through fall camp and and seems to be okay. Yeah, and the thing about these season openers is one, I think a lot of the coaches will keep things relatively under wraps about you know where guys stand with you know their testing and and all of that. But another thing um, 
that I don't think, and as we see on, see on the board, everybody's excited about the season. You're super pumped that it's actually here. We've made it to this point. And now you're ready to see what LSU is going to look like post-Joe Burrow. And I think even though, you know, Miles Brennan's been around, you've had this weird offseason, the team is not going to be in incredible condition like they were last year. That's just the facts. And we've seen across college football that teams are starting out and just looking sloppy for the most part, I would say, uh, in these season openers. And it takes a minute for these guys to get back at it uh, in terms of uh, playing in games and bringing that level of, I think, excitement and and uh, just overall like sharpness in these games, especially without fans in the stands. I would just say I think LSU is going to win comfortably over Mississippi State. I don't think they're very good. Uh, as we sit here looking at the Bulldogs at the beginning of the season, I think they'll improve over the course of the season. But if it's sloppy early early on, don't completely lose your mind because week one to week two, these teams tend to take a really big jump and a step forward. Yeah, I mean, I think you're 100% right. I think the one thing I'm going to say is the same thing that Orgeron said, tackling. They haven't been tackling. Yeah. Look, they've got, they have been tackling, but not to the degree of, they haven't even played any warm up. Like, you know, it hasn't been, you didn't get to play Rice or to even Texas or some of these teams, uh, UTSA, before you face an SEC team. Uh, and we've seen them struggle with tackling in spots over the years, regardless whether they had had five games into the season. So, Orgeron, I mean, he quickly said, I'm ready to see how we tackle. Not that I'm doubting that we know how to tackle, but when you haven't been doing it, they're not taking guys to the ground nonstop in practice, as Orgeron said. That's how you get hurt. But it's going to be interesting. I think that will be the interesting thing to watch. Uh, and we mentioned the spread. I mean, it's been at, what, 16 and a half, 17 uh, of how it's played out in, uh, across the what, past two days since they've at least gone up and down uh, on the lines. I'm curious with, because you said it, and I know that this is going to be how other SEC teams operate, we won't know who's really in and out probably until game day or Friday how much are these lines moving during the week? Like Vegas knows everything. Okay, let's see how much they can really find out. I think this will be, and it's not just LSU, it'll be an interesting year uh, to watch what a line looks like on a Monday and what it looks like on a Saturday. Yeah, and I, if you're an LSU fan and you're trying to bet on the Tigers a little bit, I, I mean, I think you got to like LSU to cover. And I know I say that after I just said, you know, keep your expectations low in terms of this. So maybe, uh, maybe don't throw the whole house on it, but uh, I would say LSU will figure out a way to to cover and and win comfortably. It might not look pretty at times uh, Saturday afternoon in Tiger Stadium, but uh, I, I do think they end up covering and and they're going to be able to uh, move past the Bulldogs and and on to the next uh, uh, without too much drama. And Shay, let's let's wrap up with this. One big thing that you're watching on Saturday in Tiger Stadium as LSU opens the season overall like a trend or what have you we've talked about a player to watch on on you know from each of us Liam Shanahan for me and um Damone Clark for you but what, what, what's the biggest thing you're watching for on Saturday well it's it's definitely I'm watching it Saturday and I'm, I'm watching it all season um I think that an Orgeron touched on this and, and I've said it on the board plenty and, and many fans know this the passing game, we are just put it in your head. Last year was insane. You'll you'll probably never see those numbers again. You know that, and that's fine as a fan. 
But what is this offensive attack going to look like with Miles Brennan in them? Well, we've been told the game plan is still similar to 2019. That's great news. That's going to give him opportunities. But then there's a reality. And let's let's remember when Joe Burrow joined the team and he'd come here in the offseason, he got a full summer in, he got his fall camp in, but he hadn't been around those guys forever. And we saw them dropping passes galore. And they were 96th in the country in FBS football, uh, catching just 84% of catchable passes. 26 drops in 13 games and they would be in some big spots and you would say man this just doesn't look good well then there was the whole summer of 10,000 catches where all the receivers in burrow went through all these different um kind of push to get on the same page and, and not have all these drop passes and in 2019 you could count the drop passes on one hand like i could try to remember right now and there would be a, just a handful of them that's how good the jump from year one to two was of having burrow as a starting quarterback I think we're going to be we're in for that with Brennan and and look they had three spring practices and then they all got called off. They had a very adjusted summer schedule to where it was more so conditioning than anything and they were just with Tommy Moffat and them. And then they got into fall camp which was pushed back. That's the first time Brennan has been able to get with the team, with the live defense, everything going, not 7 on 7 work, not going out and working with Terrace Marshall and these guys. Toss in that Jamar Chase is probably who he's working with more than anyone. He's gone midway through camp to opt out. I, there's going to be some rust. You're, uh, Eric Gilbert a year ago was playing high school football. Kayshawn Butte, who's starting at receiver a year ago, was playing high school football. You've got a new running back. You've got Brennan, obviously, a new quarterback who hasn't started and played a full game since he was a senior in high school, which was four years ago now. And then in Marshall uh, and McMath, you've got two vets, certainly Marshall, uh, is a guy, as Orgeron said, and I think he said it when talking about this, he said, Marshall's got to be our dude because he has played and he's came in, he's been here with Brennan for multiple years. He's played in the starting lineup. He's delivered in big games. You know what he can do. And then he added it by saying, Miles, a safety valve for a quarterback is always your tight end. Eric Gilbert needs to be touching the ball all the time. And that's what Orgeron said. I think it all just lumps into one for me where Knowing how the offseason went and knowing the new pieces, it's going to be a lot different and there will be wrinkles and this offense will leave you frustrated at times. But I don't think the play calling will always leave you frustrated beyond what engineers may have to call uh, if Brennan's off or if he sees that uh, something's not going the way that they had scripted out. But if you have the patience, and I think that's a word that's going to be good for Brennan in his first year, then I think year two for Brennan will look that much different. I'm excited to see this season. I am. Um, but I think that fans should remember that there'll be some growing pains to to kind of have to go through uh, over the course of this 10-game SEC-only schedule, uh, which is important when you're trying to talk about guys getting on the same page and the first time they get live bullets out there in action is only against SEC teams. That only makes it more difficult. 100% agree with you. And, and look, I mean, it, it, it's going to be a – I think it's going to be fun to watch the development over the year for Miles Brennan, how he fares, how he improves, uh, the highs and the lows, all of that. We've been waiting a long time for this. It feels like just yesterday uh, I went out and uh, watched watched him play at St. Stanislaus in, in Bay St. Louis and then, you know, Under Armour All-American game. And uh, now, now it's his first start at LSU. So it's been a long time coming. Excited for Miles. I'm watching the pass rush and specifically for the most part when they're in just a four-man front. Uh, and not bringing pressure. I want to see guys like Andre Anthony and B.J. Ogilary come after the quarterback, see how they get after K.J. Costello and and bring pressure because that was the reason why 
they went to the four three. They want to be more aggressive. They want to get after the quarterback a little bit more. They are deep, I think, across the defensive line. They can rotate guys. There's a lot of players that are, you know, making their first starts in Ali Gay's sense and uh, a couple other guys on the defensive line. But they're they have the depth, and if they can rotate and stay aggressive, uh, they should be able to get pressure. That's what I'm watching for. Everybody's been waiting for Andre Anthony to take the next step. B.J. Ogilary has been talked up a ton. Uh, we'll see how all of those guys fare in getting after the quarterback. I'm watching the pass rush because for as many times as Mississippi State's probably going to throw the ball around uh, Tiger Stadium, it's going to be necessary for them to get after K.J. Costello and affect the way he sees the field and, and make him uh, make some poor decisions and, and, and force the ball or uh, you know create that pressure that, that makes him – and maybe not be able to put as much on it as, as he wants to or, or it floats on him or what have you. So uh, that'll help the secondary. And, you know, with Derek Stingley over there, you like your odds of uh, certainly those guys making plays and especially if you can bring a pass rush. So uh, I'm excited to see guys like B.J. Ogilary. I, I, I think this, this 2020 class that's on campus, and Ed Ogeron said this over the summer, is so talented. I, I think he said it's the best freshman group they've had uh, is, is what he is how he put it. And there's a lot of guys that have a chance to play on Saturday a lot uh, for LSU, and uh, I'm excited to see who those guys are and, and see them get their first action uh, for LSU. But I'm watching the pass rush against Mississippi State uh, for sure and see how that develops with the new uh, 4-3 defense. We're almost there. Five days, Billy. Is that, I'm going down the, the spread or our rundown of the show. I think we've hit it all. So any parting thoughts here? I'm we didn't make a prediction. That's that's him. That's uh, usually handled by Sonny and you at the end of the week podcast, and then we'll we'll run our story on Friday with all of our predictions. But I don't know. It's too tough for me to know if they'll win by seventeen or not and cover this, whatever sixteen to eighteen points it winds up at. But I won't be surprised at it because here's my thing, and this is just my parting thought, and it's it's sort of a grass is greener uh, uh, type comment is that LSU fans are going to be the most critical of LSU. Um, but I think I saw Robbie Falk tweet out um, our Mississippi State writer at 24 7, um, or I should say first. Well, remember, there's always another team over there is worried about what they've got going on. They've got a first year coach. They've got a transfer quarterback. They don't know if the chemistry is going to be there. Uh, and I mentioned Robbie. He tweeted, uh, we had tweeted out the depth chart. And I think he said that LSU had 20 guys, if you include offense, defense, special teams like 21 guys who were four-star or better in the starting lineup, and that Mississippi State had 21 four-star or better guys in the entire roster. So they recruit for this purpose, and they recruit well uh, to be in this position. So, yes, we'll see LSU have uh, some hiccups, and, and you'll wonder what they'll look like, but uh, I think regardless, they'll look better than State in week one. With you on that, we'll uh, certainly – share the our official predictions like you said later in the week but for now Shay time to wrap up this edition of the pod appreciate all you guys out there listening I uh, hope everybody has a, a great rest of the week as we will continue to bring you guys all the latest on uh, LSU's final prep for their season opener against Mississippi State on Saturday 2:30 central in Tiger Stadium on CBS so till next time guys have a great week and uh, we'll talk again soon <laughs>